Father, this morning we love you and we thank you, God, that we can look to you, our living hope, the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. And God, we just pour out our hearts this morning and just say thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the grace that you showed us, Lord, when we didn't deserve it. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We pray that you would just continue to speak to our hearts, continue to move in this place. God, have your way in us. Have your way in our service. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple years ago, on a Sunday afternoon, I called my folks and my mother answered the phone and uh, said, how's it going, mom? She said, oh, you won't believe what happened at church today. And I said, well, what happened at church today, mom? So it was horrible. It was horrible. Everybody's mad at me. And I said, yeah, I, I have that experience too. <laughs> I said, well, what happened at church today? She says, well, you know, we do the Lord's Supper. Yes, mom, I know you do the Lord's Supper. She says, well, in our, in our Lord's Supper plates, we've got two circles. The outside circle is for the grape juice and the inside circle is for the wine. And I said, yeah, you talked to me about that before. Well, Mr. So-and-so, he always brings his favorite wine to church when we do the Lord's Supper because he wants to drink his wine for the Lord's Supper. And I said, all right, what's, that's that way you, that your church didn't have to buy it. That's a good thing. I like when people bring their own stuff. And uh, she says, well, I was in a hurry and I put the wine on the outside and the grape juice on the inside of the plate. Oh, no, Mom. She said, yep, kids and people that didn't want wine got wine, and people that wanted wine got grape juice. It was a horrible, horrible event. She said that he looked at me during the service when he drank his Lord's Supper wine that was really Welch's grape juice, and she said, if looks could kill, I'd be dead right now. <laughs> Lord's Supper, the time when there should be less of us, if we're not careful, there's more of us. Your biggest problem is you. Did you know that? I can point a finger at you, and I can tell you with all uh, security in that. I know I'm not wrong. Your number one problem is you. You say, well, how do you know that my number one problem is you? Because I know that my number one problem is me. I believe with all my heart that even though we probably are always focused on things outside of ourselves as our problems, our biggest problems is us. Now, I think I'm in good, uh, good country by saying that because what Jesus had to say and what Paul had to say about our struggle with ourselves. Jesus said right up front, clear as a bell, clear as a day, no question about it. If you want to be my follower, you must deny yourself. The New Living Translation says, you must put away your selfish desires. And so put away your selfish desires is a little more clarity, I think, in saying you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you're going to hold on to yourself, you're not going to be able to be my disciple, my follower. You're in the way. We are always going to be in the way of what God wants. Your number one problem is you. 
My number one problem is me. It's a problem for salvation. Now, if you're struggling with salvation, if you're struggling with a family member with salvation, your big challenge is they don't want to give up their lives. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to come to a place where they confess their sin. They're just stuck in themselves as a problem. They, you know, all kinds of reasons. They don't want to give up this, that, and the other. They're afraid of what their life might become. They're just not okay with turning away from their own lives. And it's a spiritual problem. Flesh is a struggle, and we all got it. It also keeps us from transitioning from living according by the flesh to living by the Spirit. So the Spirit-filled life is... A problem. Now, for us to learn to live according to the Spirit, we have to learn to live beyond our flesh. And we've got to get beyond ourselves, and we've got to put away our selfish desires, take up our cross, which be our responsibility of the Lord, and follow Him every single day. It's a daily, daily uh, uh, surrender that we make in following Jesus. But Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you can't come full. You come empty. That's why those who are, those who most recognize their sin, their shortcomings, their failures, their emptiness, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, make the most productive believers. Because Jesus said, people that have been forgiven a lot love a lot. And Jesus went after those that everybody else passed over. That's why Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Bartholomew, and all those boys so quickly followed Jesus is because all their life they lived with the understanding that they were passed over for a rabbi to take them under his wing. And so those very important rabbis would walk by and see Peter and see an ornery little man or ornery big man, whatever he was, that couldn't control his tongue and was impetuous and was just one of those kind of guys that you don't want in your group. He passed over Peter and picked other people all the time. And Peter believed, I think with all, I think with all my heart, I think when Jesus came by and said to Peter, follow me, Peter really thought that was his last chance to be somebody, to be someone. And boy, did he struggle with his flesh. I ain't going to let nothing happen to you. I'll kill him. I'll whip him. I've been looking around this place. Ain't nobody here can whip me. Boy, he struggled with his flesh. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. We've been fishing all night, but, but I know better than this. I know you don't know nothing about fishing. I know I know more about fishing than you, but because you say so, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll put it into the water. Peter struggled with his flesh. That's why he was so deeply wounded when he denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. It's because his pride broke him. And he struggled with his flesh. And it wasn't until Pentecost that Peter finally got to the place where he recognized it wasn't about him. It wasn't about what he wanted. It wasn't about his selfishness. It was about Jesus and what Jesus wanted. And he finally found the cross. He found the sacrifice of Jesus. He found the love of Jesus. And he finally got where he needed to be in perspective with the Lord. But Peter's biggest problem with himself. 
That's our biggest problem. It's with ourselves, not money, not the job, not the wife, not the husband, not the kids. The kids are close second, <laughs> but with ourselves. We struggle with selfishness. We struggle with a failure to understand. We struggle with this sin, that sin. We struggle with being important. We struggle with being noticed. We struggle with our, our opinions being honored. I mean, how many times have you left work just so mad, can't see straight, road rage happens on the way home, you come home, kick the dog, and the, you look at the kids like, if they dare step out of line, you're going to get right in the middle of them. It's because someone at work didn't listen to one of your ideas about work. And it just ate your lunch. And Jesus said, you got to turn from your selfish ways. You got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And we get in the way. And so if we're not careful, we'll spend three or four days in wasted service to Christ because we are struggling with ourselves. You realize that your opinion doesn't matter and my opinion doesn't matter. And until we get there, we don't really understand what it means to follow Jesus. But what you think about church and religion don't really truly matter. It's only what matters is what Jesus has had to say about religion and church. It doesn't matter how, how successful you are. It doesn't matter how successful you think you are. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. It doesn't matter how right you are. Unless you turn from your selfish ways and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple. So our biggest problem is with ourselves. The Lord's Supper is not to be an elaborate ceremony. That wasn't the intention of it. The reason why we have gotten so off twisted about the Lord's Supper, how the Lord's Supper should be conducted, how it should happen, who passes it out, and all those kind of things uh, is because we've gotten so twisted with it through the years because we've got all these ideas. And part of the problem is the, the primary church functioning or handling of the Lord's Supper is with the Corinthians, chapter 11. And the Corinthians are the most messed up congregation there is in the New Testament. The Corinthians are wild people. The Corinthians are full of themselves. The Corinthians are so overwhelmed with themselves that they cannot see important matters about Jesus. When they did the Lord's Supper, they had a wild party. They called it a love feast. And here's what happened over and over and over because Jesus had to say, I mean, Paul had to set them right about it is they would show up. The people that got there early would eat all the food and drink all the wine. And so they would get real drunk at their love feast and they would eat too much food. And when everyone else showed up, there wasn't any left and it caused a division. And you should have been here on time. Well, you guys started early. Well, you should have listened to us. You should have known better than to allow that much good eats and good wine to go to waste. And they were taking the Lord's Supper and not being open to other people and, and, and not waiting for them and not loving other people in their congregation enough to not drink all the wine and eat all the food. And Paul says, 
you, you guys got it all wrong. He said they had it all wrong about sexual immorality. That's why he talks about it so much. They had it all wrong about faith. They had it all wrong about marriage. They had it all wrong about uh, how to treat each other in the body of Christ. They had it all wrong about love. That's why he taught 1 Corinthians chapter 13. They had it all wrong about the spiritual gifts. They were using their spiritual gifts to lord over each other in the Corinthian church. And if one had a better spiritual gift than the other in their minds, and they were more important than everybody else. And, and in 1 Corinthians, Paul just lays it all out for them. And their number one problem was themselves. In each case, it didn't matter what the example of their wrongness was, they were the problem. And you and I are the problem. We're always going to be the problem until we get to the place where we recognize that he is the king, he is the Lord, he died on the cross for us. And what we think and what we want and what we crave and what we desire absolutely doesn't matter. Only what Jesus wants. That's when we start finding the hope, the peace, the, the, the inner okayness is when we absolutely get out of the way and we allow Jesus to be Jesus of our lives. So the Lord's Supper is not to be an elaborate ceremony. It's not to be a time where we parade around and say, look how important we are. This is not the time for me to put on my best robe and my best hat with diamonds on it or something, with my, with my famous gold-inflated staff. The Lord's Supper is a symbol. It doesn't impart grace. It doesn't become the actual body and blood of Christ. The, the, we have grape juice. We do not have wine. If you want to start bringing wine, you've got to leave it at your seat and do it yourself. We're not getting into that. We'll mess up. We'll have non-drinkers drink and drinkers not drink, and boy, we'll, we'll have troubles. But it's to be a time that we come together and we lose ourselves. It's not to be an elaborate ceremony. It's just a symbol. It doesn't become the actual body and blood of Jesus. So we haven't blessed it out there, and now it's the body and blood of Jesus. And if we spill a little bit of wine, it's only a cleaning problem, not a spiritual problem. It's okay. We'll get it cleaned up. It doesn't become the body and blood of Jesus when it touches our tongue. My mom thinks it does, but that's from her, her Church of England Lutheran background. It doesn't. That's why all the Lutherans believe it happens. I don't believe that. We don't believe that. We believe it's a symbol. It's, it's just bread and just Welch's grape juice. That's all it is. But what it represents is truly eternal, and, and that's where the significance is. It represents that we have lost ourselves. It represents that we have denied ourselves, taken up our cross, and we're following him. And it's a renewal. It's a reminder. It's a time that we can examine ourselves. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of confession. It's a time of squaring away 
I've watched the kid all week long square away every night. That's one thing the Marine Corps has definitely put in him. He squares away every night. That's what they call it, squaring away. Everything that he needs for the next day is all in the right place. And I, I said, boy, I need some of that. I spend most of my mornings looking for my car keys. He doesn't. So I got to go get squared away. All right, get squared away. And so the Lord's Supper is an opportunity for us to get squared away, to get things right again, to get our heart in the right place, to, to deal with ourselves, to deal with ourselves. All right. So to, in dealing with all these problems, this is how the Apostle Paul dealt with them. This was the foundation of how he dealt with all their problems. He said, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and oppressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and oppressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Now, that doesn't mean that he couldn't. It means that he chose not to. Okay? Paul was really smart. Paul was well-educated. Paul was an orator. Paul could stand up in the city square with the finest of philosophers and hold his own with them. He would nail them. He could stand up in the synagogue with the finest rabbis of the day. And Paul, he could stand with them. He could debate them. He could argue with them. He could reason with them all day. He could talk their language. Paul was very, very smart, very, very articulate. He knew lofty words. He had persuasive words in his, in his, uh, uh, in his, in his life, in his brain stockpiling there. He could wear you out. I'd say my way of thinking about it is his tongue was sharp and he could cut baloney real thin. He was brilliant. But when he was with them, now the Corinthians were used to the real smart people every evening went to the center of the town and they stood and they, you know, they, they, they said their speech. They, they demonstrated how smart they were. The Socrateses and the Plato's and all those people would stand and teach philosophy. And you would hear things about, you know, the flesh and think about pleasure and hedonism and all those things about the secrets of life. And the more pleasure you have, the better life is. And here's the reason. And, and those Greeks would just stand and say, look how powerful we are by our wisdom. Look how smart we are by our words. Look what we know. We know far more than anyone else. But when Paul went to the Corinthians, that the Corinthians, their value was in how smart philosophy was. He said, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Because that's the most important thing. That's all that matters. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not my ability to reason, not my understanding of morality. He didn't stand before them and teach morality, teach them how they ought to live. 
He didn't stand before them and teach them how they ought to organize this, that, and the other in their religious affiliation. He didn't do any of that kind of stuff. He didn't talk about they ought to go to church. He didn't say they need to clean up their act. He didn't say they need to change their ways. They need to stop doing this and stop doing that. He didn't say that. He just simply stood before them empty of himself, humble, meek. Meekness is strength under control. Having all the words of wisdom, having the ability to persuade, having the ability to wow a crowd. And for that crowd to go, man, that's some kind of speaker. But that's what he elected to walk away from. And the thing that he would elevate, the thing that he would focus on, the thing that mattered most to him was Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And so the issue with ourselves is Jesus in the cross. It's getting out of the way for the Jesus in the cross. It's recognizing that the most important thing in the world is Jesus and him crucified. Jesus in the cross. The greatest story of all time is Jesus in the cross. The greatest power available to man is through Jesus and the cross. The hope of man is Jesus and the cross. The answer to the problem of self is Jesus and the cross. It's the answer. And so it's what we should focus on. And so before we do the Lord's Supper today, we should focus, we should get out of the way like Paul did, not rely on what we know, not rely on past, just be completely empty before God. We must turn from our selfish ways. We must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Examination. Confess any known sin. So just between you and the Lord now, if you need to bow your eyes, bow your head and close your eyes, please do so. Just between you and the Lord, confess all known sin. The Holy Spirit is now revealing to you the sin that you need to confess, that you need to repent of. Sins of self. Sins of the flesh. Sins of your gratification desires. Sins of selfishness. You want to be noticed. You want to be respected. You want to be acknowledged. And all those things are in the way. Your pride is in the way. Confess all known sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all our sins and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Do away with any questionable habits that you have. Questionable habits. Things that you hold on to. Things that perhaps you kind of know it's wrong. You know it's sin, but you just hang on to them. Things that are getting in the way. Things that alter your potential in Christ. Always a reason why you can't serve the Lord. Always a reason why you can't worship Him. Always a reason 
that gets in the way of what God wants you to do. And when you begin to realize that you need to turn from your selfish ways, it's the thing that always reaches out and grabs you. It can be all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be a vice. It can be. It doesn't have to be. It can be how you view things. It can be what you're holding on to. It could be hurt that you're holding on to. It could be unforgiveness that you're holding on to. You know, the problem with you and your loved one is that one of you holding a grudge and it probably caused them both to hold on to a grudge and, you know, your relationship is hindered. Any questionable habit. Publicly confess Christ. Being baptized. Being open about your faith. Being willing to stand for Christ. Openly. Proudly. Boldly confess Christ. Is there anyone in your world that doesn't know that you love Jesus? Do you hide it from some? Do people question? Do people observe you at work or at school? And, and by how you live, they're really surprised when they find out that you're a believer in Jesus. It's because they don't see it. Because you don't publicly confess Christ. You're ashamed, perhaps. Well, it's really serious if we're ashamed of Jesus. It says that if we are ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. If we choose not to acknowledge him, he says he will not acknowledge us before the Father. Oh, my goodness, that's hugely important for us to understand. Publicly confess Christ. Live in the open. Live outside of yourself for Jesus. Unashamedly, his unashamedly one of his followers, unashamedly with a big 12-foot banner over your head that says, I have denied myself, I have taken up his cross, and I am following him. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for Christ who died for me. It is no longer I who am living my life. I am living my life through the power of Jesus in his spirit. I am living for my king. I am serving at his pleasure. I no longer live for myself. I have publicly, publicly confessed Christ. And the last thing, the last thing of examination here, a willingness, an openness, a want to, to obey the Holy Spirit immediately. As the Spirit speaks to you, may you respond Selflessly, repentive, broken. I am yours, O Lord. I will do what you desire. I confess my sin. I put away questionable habits. I publicly, publicly with, with all my heart, unashamedly am, am open about my belief in Jesus. And I will... Obey immediately and do what God wants. Just between you and the Lord, are you ready for the Lord's Supper today? Have you confessed your sin? Have you agreed with God about your sin? Have you accepted his forgiveness? 
In your heart, are you repenting? Repentive, a spirit of repentiveness that, Lord, show me any wrong and I'll repent. I want to be yours completely. Willingness to publicly confess and obey immediately. Father, as Paul just absolutely denied himself, as Paul did not use what he was capable of, but just presented Jesus and him crucified, may we present to the world Jesus and him crucified. Not who we think we are, not who we want to be, not what we believe is important for others to hear, not the human values that we, we hold to, but we just believe that the most important in all the power resides in Jesus and him crucified. Help us today to observe. In Jesus' name, amen.